This is Crossover Club. This team is made up of a music student and a professional music listener. So it only seems fair to impose our opinions as objective facts onto all the lovely listeners. We give you our top 10 Christmas songs, watch Mojo style. Because we're super original like that. Hello and welcome to uh, an objective ranking of the 10 best Christmas songs ever made. Now, I want to start by uh, bringing people's uh, bringing to people's attention Wikipedia's list of Christmas hit singles in the United Kingdom. I, I had a little look uh, just now, Brandon, uh, at the, the list of, of songs by year. And mm. I can finally confirm my theory that there are no good Christmas songs released after the year 2000. <laughs> well, do you know what? I kind of like the Justin Bieber Christmas album, so I mean... Yeah, but they're not original songs, they're re-recordings so the composition oh. like he's a talented performer, don't get me wrong I think Bublé is is the possibly the only good Christmas artist that is still making things now I agree, I've but, listened to the album like 10 times already yeah, of course, of course um, but can I just take the time to mention that like, in the last 5 years we've got, we've got uh, uh, songs like Oh Santa by the uh, the Triple Threat Triad, Mariah Carey, Ariana Grande, and Jennifer Hudson. Uh, and nice. listening to it, it's it's horrible. Is it? I, I, hate I don't it. think I it's don't think like, I actually heard it. It's almost like trap, <laughs> but <sighs> like literally the only thing Christmassy about it, right, is that they keep insisting that Santa be a part of this like you know, sexualized song, as ever. And oh, then yeah. there's, like, sleigh bells. That's it. Other than that, it's exactly the same as uh, every other Ariana Grande song. Fair. I mean, and then, that's... you know, you got you got things like uh, the old Kelly Clarkson uh, underneath uh... the tree style stuff, which is basically just Megan Trainor's, you know, baritone sax, uh, bass mm-hmm. line really predictable chords patterns and all that it's trying to be all i want for christmas but worse because every time someone else tries to do it it just gets worse so yeah i I, i'm a strong believer no good christmas songs after 2000 barring michael bublé (laughs) i believe that no that's that's totally true the covers uh definitely by michael bublé are great i love all the very many interesting covers but yeah the the originals yeah, they're, they're pretty terrible. And also, if I hear one more song by Mariah Carey, my ears are going <laughs> to bleed. Why? Why is it always number one every year? <laughs> um, it's because of the minus seven flat five chord. Oh, yeah, of course. That, that's what I suspected, actually. <laughs> so right. Well, just a, a little uh, explanation of that then for all the, um, you know, those who are unaware. Um, mm. the, well, the song White Christmas has been kind of historically seen as one of the most Christmassy songs ever made. Um, and 
I, I believe the yes the the chord that plays underneath you know when it's uh, children listen yes. um, the chord that happens underneath mm-hmm. listen is an example of a minor seven flat five chord um, sweet, ba- basically because the convention of the time was jazz um, they use like a kind of jazz vernacular in order to create music for Christmas okay. so Christmas music has always been like I won't I won't just pass judgment on modern stuff because it's using like modern genres because effectively mm-hmm. it's always been a slave to its genre of like whatever was popular at the time because they're going mm-hmm. for like something universal but as a result it's always something very dated so mm-hmm. when we're thinking about stuff that sounds Christmassy now that's why I think people like Michael Bublé still hold up because effectively what they're doing is they're hearkening back to the Christmassy sound that was nostalgic for people well, and yeah. continues to be nostalgic for people. So yeah, Mariah Carey, um, all I want for Christmas, underneath Christmas, we get another minor seven flat five chord. It's in a different mm. key from White Christmas, so it's not just been like you know, they didn't just copy White Christmas, but they, they used some of the same harmonic language to try and communicate the kind of Christmassy mood. Um, though uh, All I Want for Christmas uses that chord many more times in the same time frame than White Christmas does, which is arguably mm. why it comes off as a bit cheap. Right. Okay. So that's really interesting in terms of what we value then as like because i mean christmas is very family oriented it's that sense of um coziness and i think yeah firstly yeah. the nostalgia going back to like more the the jazz kind of blues vibes is is what seems familiar to us and i think that's probably why we find it trash when you hear some sort of trap kind of song and then it's made Christmas because you're talking about you know Christmas trees or I don't even know if that's what's in the song um also apologies about the dog barking in the background um, you know what the dog is equally passionate about things yeah of, uh... he's infuriated about it honestly <laughs> just it's disgusting he could do a better job um but all they do is just slap on some christmas bells and there you go it's it's a christmas song and it's a bit cheap nowadays but yeah, yeah I, I definitely yeah. see how we can we value that it's it's just so interesting it's the only time of year in which we all kind of go into a time capsule of music it's I find it so fascinating genuinely it's just you turn on the radio and it's like you're back in time yeah, with, with yeah. All, apart from throwback first days but you know what I mean like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's particularly interesting but um, I think with all that being said um, welcome to watch Mojo no sorry sorry um, <laughs> that's basically <laughs> what we're doing isn't it yeah we're, we're, we're gonna be stating our opinions on some Christmas songs that we like uh, mm. in some attempt we, between us we've obviously there are more than 10 Christmas songs that we like but we're gonna we're gonna try you know over the course of this episode to come up with crossover collabs top 10 Christmas countdown Um so yeah all right well since you're the composer and the guy that knows music why don't you hit it off josh well i'll preface this with uh, my opinion means nothing 
nothing more than anyone else's opinion means. Uh, I just happen to have spent a bit of time learning about the craft um, so I can reinforce my opinion with I think this is good because it does this thing but it doesn't mean that my opinion is any more valid it's just I can explain why my opinion is the way it is you know um, 100% rather than just saying because it's good um, mm. uh, anyway uh, all, all that preamble aside just mm. I don't want to come across as sounding too pretentious but I fear that mm. me saying that makes me come across as pretentious so I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to start off with one of my one of my favorite Christmas songs, uh, "Stop the Cavalry" by Jonah Louie. Um, I I mean, it's it's a great one because it's kind of like you know the the Christmas War is Over one uh, right. that that people the normies love. It's yeah. like that <laughs> except it's not as hitting you over the head with what it's about. Um, mm what it is doing is instead like it's telling the story from the perspective of someone on the front lines and it's not just the front lines of World War 2 for example even though you know it uses uh, imagery from that in its music video um, you've got the kind of World War 1 imagery of the trenches you've got the reference to Churchill um, but then you've also got in the lyrics things like nuclear fallout zone implying future yeah. wars that people were afraid of when the song was being made so I think it's a, it's a great one for again like it reinforces the beauty of Christmas being about family and togetherness and you know those kind of core values of generosity but it does so by portraying the opposite it shows a family that has to wait for their father who might never come back you know it shows yeah. the atrocities of war but the music itself is still you know it's pleasant enough that there's that sense of kind of uncomfortable juxtaposition of the lyrics right. with the with the music. Um, it's mm -hmm. quite an upbeat song, um, and of course it also borrows from some kind of military aesthetic um, mm -hmm. with the kind of brass focus. So yeah, there's a it kind of sits on this weird balance between uh, like levity and then also a kind of darker side beneath it, right. which a, a few of my favourite Christmas songs do. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I'm cynical, but um, yeah, mm. that, that's that's nice. my first suggestion. <laughs> I do. No, that's nice. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of invitation towards, you know, more hopeful and, and homely atmospheres within that um, dark time. And it reminds me of the story that I remember my granddad telling me this, and I thought it was so beautiful. And then I'm sure it did it become a John Lewis ad at some point. Yeah, it, I think I'm, I know I'm what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it, it was the Sainsbury's advert, yeah. Um, Sainsbury's, even, oh, okay. Um, Sainsbury's, I guess, know how to market. It's a bit of a weird thing. It's the best Christmas advert because it's not like. It's a bad advert, technically, <laughs> but it's right. the best Christmas <laughs> yeah. advert because it doesn't, it doesn't point at Sainsbury's and go, we are good people, buy our stuff. It yeah. just. It, I mean, honestly, it's a short film, really. It's yeah. not an advert. It's a short film. It's, it's a short great. film. Yeah. And let's, I mean, let's explain it. So, like, yes, it's basically... <laughs> so, um, the story is on World War II. Um, was it World War II? I, I want to make sure I get my historical facts right. Um, I believe it was, yeah, 1939. Yeah. Right, okay. So, World War II, basically, both sides on Christmas Day put their guns down. They get out of the trenches 
and then for Christmas Day, they play football together, um, soccer in America. Um, <laughs> they play footy. They apparently eat together. You know that they become friends. They become reconciled. And then it becomes heartbreaking because after Christmas Day they get back in the trenches and they start killing each other again. Um, but yeah, they obviously that ad slash short film doesn't highlight the killing again. But the, mm. this idea of reconciliation, Christmas—it's it's a time of amends. It's it very much becomes what the Sabbath was in the old testament and in hebrews yeah yeah you know it was... and the year of jubilee of course as well yeah exactly um, that's yeah. it completely um so it, christmas has almost become that kind of time and it's beautiful to see that um so i guess i'm kind of making that tie towards the song that you're saying there josh it seems like it's very much um a reminder of that reconciliation uh, of coming home the the comfort the the homeliness uh, of it all within war times and just struggle in general yeah. um, what a lovely way to start this <laughs> <laughs> well um i also just want to quickly before the fact checkers come after the podcast um yeah, yeah, i just checked it's 1914 uh, with you mentioning so trenches a, a few I was times, thinking. I was like, "Hang on a minute." Yeah, it was it was yeah. nineteen fourteen. That's um, what I was assuming because I, I was like, it, "It makes the song the song it makes that moment even more ironic." Really, uh, looking back on it, a kind of sad yeah. irony that yeah. you know they had that truce of nineteen fourteen, but then there was still another world war after that. Uh, yeah. Not just the rest of the war, but the, another war afterwards. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, it goes to show, and and that's what I think is is ultimately so great about the song is that it doesn't it doesn't say war is bad. It shows mm-hmm. that war is bad, which yeah. I think that's personally for me what makes it better than the John Lennon one because the John Lennon one yeah. is very heavy-handed with its messaging because yeah. obviously, like you know, John Lennon. <laughs> his political views were not a secret to anyone Um, and you know I still credit where credit is due I still think it's a really catchy song really well made Um, Mm. but as I say I think the subtlety and nuance in Stop the Cavalry is um, yeah I just prefer it (laughs) yeah agreed right well firstly let's just we should probably ask each other whether there's going to be jolly Christmas music under this entire section. But I guess you viewers already know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> and um, I think let's definitely power through some of yeah, these yeah. Um, songs. So the the next uh, one, which you will definitely, hopefully, know, Josh, and we will have sang it a bunch of times in primary school, as all people did our age growing up in England. Um, away in a manger um classic uh, right and i remember singing it as a as a kid and it always felt quite cozy but like you don't think much about all of those hymns that you sing you know during assembly and stuff like that but as i as i come back to it is not only an adult but as a christian and as a christian that frankly really misses england and and a lot of Mm. those traditional kind of hymns when a man just so beautiful like yeah yeah just the the idea of this baby 
being asleep and the vulnerability of Jesus, but yet this is the sovereign God of the universe, mm. just yeah. in, a little, in a cart in a manger. Uh, I, I just love that the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head like this, just oh, mm, mm. beautiful. It's just yeah, yeah. So if anything, this is more about like um, since I love poetry so much, it's more about the lyrical content. And also, whenever you hear it, it's when I've heard it sung by choirs, and particularly when we used to sing it as kids, there's already a vulnerability to like the timbre of it. Like, well, yeah, this was brilliant about it. The construction of the melody is like it's meant to be high to sing. Like it's meant to be at the top of anyone's range mm-hmm. when singing the song. Uh, they somehow got it in like a really uncomfortable key. And yeah. I think a part of it is that frailty, that vulnerability, that you know you can't you can't sing it as boldly and fully as other hymns. Um, it still uses like, of course, similar harmonic structure to hymns, just mm-hmm. partly because of the time, but also they just put more effort into harmony. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah. back then, um, yeah, for Christian that's... music at least, um, definitely, and it, the the melody a lot of melodies use this so it's not really a particularly developed idea but um we have a term in music uh called antecedent consequent which is like a structure for the melody um Mm -hmm. effectively an antecedent is a phrase that sounds unfinished so if you Mm. think of poetry like rhyming couplets the first line would be the antecedent musically speaking and then the second line would be the consequent so the consequent will be like a repetition of the idea but this time it ends with a more definite uh, conclusion mm. and something that feels more finalized and that you know they can use other forms of like musical punctuation as it were to make something feel finished off um but the kind of the way the melody goes up and then back down um there's moments of kind of suspension like no crying he makes and then there's a kind of like breath in the music as it's like a suspended chord and then we go kind of back in so there's um the way it's constructed yeah uh, totally mimics the idea of like vulnerability and frailty but then also yeah the power within the lyrics of uh, the reality of who jesus is and that this was a point where he was asleep on the hay but he was going to become the kind of crucified savior so yeah, yeah. Re- really powerful. Super powerful, man. On to the next one. Um, I'm going to go for another <laughs> another cynical one. Um, this is another great one, I think, for the, the British experience of Christmas. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. You, you're kind of envying the, uh, the old churches and the nostalgia and the kind of coziness of Britain mm-hmm. right now. Um, yeah. But I equally envy the the bright lights and the snow and all that that is seems a lot more commonplace in America. Do correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, this is a song that is great for the kind of British experience, which is it's raining. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So this is I believe in Father Christmas by Emerson Lake and Palmer ELP. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They they have some great songs just in general, um, and I think that's just as an aside. 
a lot of good Christmas songs tend to come from people that were just good at making music. They didn't weren't just like one hit Christmas wonders per se. Yeah, completely. It's a it's a mixed bag. You know, there's some that we only know for their Christmas output, but this is one where you know they've got a pretty good mix overall. Um, mm. So effectively, the message of I believe in Father Christmas is one of disillusionment with the commercialized form of Christmas that is sold to yep. people. Um, it mentions about the the Israelite and the existence of Jesus and so on, and that's what it used to be about. Um, and effectively ends with this sentiment of the Christmas we get, we deserve, because we've turned Christmas into something that it's not. We've put the emphasis on buying things and greed and consumerism. Um, And so this whole thing of uh, how we're fed this idea that um, like Santa's coming and will give us everything we want and then it'll snow at Christmas and they effectively juxtapose that with, but it just kept on raining. Um, so this idea that, you know, we're sold a lie and then as a result we don't feel satisfied with Christmas and we end up wanting more for the next year when really we should be drawing back to the kind of powerful simplicity of kind of what you mentioned with Away in a Manger, like getting back to the heart of it. It's, it's about Jesus ultimately. And of course, you know, if you don't celebrate it in a Christian capacity, there are still, of course, those elements of generosity, goodwill, coziness in a dark time, family, all of that. But mm-hmm. without that kind of core of of Jesus and effectively the cross in Christmas, then you lose so much of the depth and meaning. And I think, yeah, as the song kind of suggests, it creates this sense of disillusionment. Yeah, man. Oh. It literally sounds so beautiful with with coming back to all of that. I mean, it's you know it's a traditional Christmas spirit kind of story, and you know, find it. Uh, we could go on a big historical ramble here <laughs> about the whole like oh, we'll say that for Christmas the next one, eh? <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely say that the next one. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's jokes so, though. Like I've been a Christian for quite a lot of years now, and the, I mean, like I've said before, I've been a Scrooge, so I've never <laughs> really. I've still never properly valued. I think I hated the commercial aspect of it, but I still oh, didn't yeah, really yeah. all that care for the aspect of it being around Jesus. And that was because I missed the point. I, I was like, oh, Easter's a holiday because that shows mm. what he actually did for us. And I still kind of stand by that. But I, I think it, it's not just about reflecting on the story, it's about embodying the whole idea of who Jesus is, what yeah. he brought and, and really reflecting that in, in our homes um, so yeah it's great that we can acknowledge music that definitely does that so I think that's actually fantastic and I, I would talk about it more but I think we're we're moving <laughs> at snail's pace because we're, we're yeah. enjoying ourselves way too much right now so, <laughs> so let, let, let's hear number four right so let it snow, let it snow, let it snow by Dean Martin Very it's nice. just I just firstly this is really bad considering I just, we just talked about Jesus and all that but I it just reminds me of Die Hard because it's played throughout oh, the film yes nice. I, I have a massive association with that song with Die Hard because that's the song that's associated with it because right, Die Hard is right. obviously a Christmas film yeah, yeah. Um, it's in that genre with Home Alone you know where you're kind of hurting people, hurting people. <laughs> it's a really lovely genre but it's genre. okay because it's Christmas time it's Christmas time exactly um, <laughs> so um, 
You know, I, and I think it just goes back to what you were saying before, the nostalgia, the jazzy, it's got like a swung kind of rhythm, the, um, I don't know, it's just so inviting. Um, the way we're outside is bright cool. Yeah, it's, it's a great one. I don't know. It, this is one of those where like, I, I can't even explain all the technicalities behind it. It's just, it makes me feel very um, jolly and homely. Also, yeah, yeah. we need to be writing down a tally for how many times I've probably said homely in this episode <laughs> already. Including we'll home remix, and home. Eh? We'll make a remix right? of it. Boom. Exactly. Uh, um, speaking of remix, actually, this is the thing, right? With Let It Snow, there is a fantastic electro swing remix. Of course. And I, I've long gone out of my electro swing phase, right? I... I used to listen to a lot of it but now i've only got like the handful of ones that stood out to me and that i really like and that is one of them so every christmas it comes right out but it's like the only good electro swing christmas remix so i can't just play it on a loop unfortunately um but yeah they they sample uh, i think it's the the bing crosby version no right maybe Frank Sinatra they're basically the same <laughs> right that's the thing it, uh, and this is the hard part yeah right and that's a hard bit about a lot of this Christmas music like I, I have to like give an artist in terms of there's so many covers and different versions yeah yeah a especially lot, a when lot it's of... jazz standards like there's someone who right? wrote it and then there's like 20 people who performed it and though each of those performances is seen as its own separate version rather than yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, if man, a good time. I could get on a, a whole, like, you know, uni sidetrack on the the difference between the recorded work, like, or the <laughs> which is the true text? Is it the is it the original uh, composition yeah. or is it the performance? What is the moment that it becomes a text? It's like, can can we just shut up and listen to? <laughs> Let it, just it snow, let it, it snow, let it snow. That's it, yeah, right? I mean, there's just going to be... What I think is, if you want a good time with those kind of songs, literally, Frank Sinatra or Michael Bublé, you're kind of sorted. Like, they're, they're yeah. canny. They're, they're really great at what they do. So, just... You know, but I'm yeah. basic that way, so you have to forgive, forgive me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll also mention, like, Bing Crosby again. I Like, you've been listening to the Michael Bublé CD on a loop i've been listening to what was definitely the direct inspiration for michael buble's performance on that cd which has been crosby's christmas cd uh not only do they do like there's at least half the songs on there that are the same between both artists like you know same songs but um the instrumentation the arrangement and not to mention the singing style is very similar uh yeah of of course buble has the advantage of more modern uh recording techniques yeah though that could be a disadvantage because of course we've come to see those vintage techniques as Mm. element as like timeless elements unto themselves and also part of that cozy sound you could argue mm-hmm. comes from the vinyl crackle, hence all the lo-fi Christmas stuff. I was I guess. just <laughs> mate, we're literally on the same like thought process. I was like, <laughs> the thing is, you can just whack on some vinyl crackle, and it's like it's good to go. It's take a sample of Charlie Brown's Christmas saying, "There it is." I feel sad at Christmas, and then yeah, literally. <laughs> 
Oh, too uh, accurate. Literally, we said we were going to do this, and we, we kind of hinted at it, but we should just, for jokes, like, give ourselves 24 hours to just make a lo-fi album, and it'll be, like, the most joke thing ever. And <laughs> we, we could definitely do it. I don't know, maybe it's a future project. We, we've got enough material recorded by now, we could make, like, 20 lo-fi albums. <laughs> 100 million percent. Not that I want to take the time to do that. But we could. Not, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. There was a time I was going to seriously do that, but nah. All right. Um, the next one. I. Uh, well, yeah. You go first. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm gonna actually mention one of those. I think it's a one-hit wonder. I haven't listened to any of their other songs, but uh, "Merry Christmas, Everybody" by Slade. Oh, and well, this yeah. is a controversial one because the title is "Merry Xmas," not "Merry Christmas." We are not going to talk about that today. All I'm going to say <laughs> is there's some great chord changes in there that just give this sense of wonder, um, particularly when it moves from here it is, Merry Christmas, everybody, like on that uh, mm -hmm. word, there's this mm -hmm. great chord change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, th thank you for the, the demonstrations. <laughs> um, what can I say? I loved it since I was a kid. Um, I, I could do a harmonic analysis if I could take the time to transcribe it, but quite frankly, I think I want to keep the mystery <laughs> for this one. <laughs> I've, I've always yeah. always loved it, um, and yeah. It's so good. Well, this is the thing, right? I personally feel that that defines a lot of British childhood as well. Like, yeah, you've got, yeah. the, obviously, the, the hymns, you know, the old um, church kind of vibes, but slid i mean come on it just uh, i i think of christmas day and the radio being blasted or like you got like the music um channel on on the tv and yeah yeah let's be real everyone screams that bit where it is christmas yeah. like uh, everybody screams up i mean i think that's the beauty as well is that it's merry christmas everybody you know like it's very clear uh, in the in the song like it's meant to be a communal one you know yeah. i can i can only ever think of that song in the context of a lot of people you know yeah my family totally all being around my schoolmates all being around you know the when i was uh, at secondary school actually um we did albeit a very bad but we did a performance of merry christmas everybody there was an arrangement for our pit band uh, we had the choir like it was the end of the christmas showcase like everyone did it you know uh, and then the audience joined in all the parents and teachers because of course they did because it's <laughs> it's uh, and and I, that's something i guess it does borrow from the kind of hymn tradition of a song that is easy to sing easy to memorize um, and something that is enjoyed best in a communal context so yeah yeah absolute classic one for the normies and one for the pros <laughs> um nice so i mm -hmm. i'm gonna mention rocking around the christmas tree by brenda lee nice. and i mean it kind of goes in the same category as the others that I said. It's it that has definitely got more of that um, retro vibe, and just bear with while I listen to the song in my head. <laughs> Home Alone, of course, it, it appears, so it makes a famous That's appearance true. in Christmas See, films. Weirdly, right? 
there's a stupid by the dozen I think at the end of that film this song plays and that just is imprinted in my mind. So I always think of Chiba Bardas when I hear this, <laughs> which is a very big family film. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that that's also, that's to do with just my personal experience and how it's kind of affected my view on it. But I love the little guitar riffs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the string is fantastic. And obviously the sax um, solo. Oh, yeah, is yeah. Unreal. So I think that's why it's like one of those where you're like, mm, yeah, this is really cool. Like you're nodding your head, you're doing the scan face. It's it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's what it's what Kelly Clarkson tried in vain to parody slash homage with yeah. underneath the tree. And I think comparing those two songs directly, you can really see how a lot of the soul is lost in the in the transfer between artists. Uh, but yes, that's a that's a great one. We we will be talking about Christmas trees, our opinions on them, uh, the history of them, and so on in tomorrow's episode. So so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. We do not have time to talk about this stuff today. This episode is already half an hour, and it's just us saying what our favorite Christmas songs are. So we do not have time to go on a bender about Christmas trees. One million percent. (laughs) Fair. Right. Okay. Josh, you're next favorite christmas song something to do with the mood is up the spirit's bright uh, everyone's here that's enough I, I don't know can't really remember all the lyrics but i do remember the feeling and that is simply having a wonderful christmas time with paul mccartney is it's one of those it's just it's it's gentle it's subtle it's it's just nice for if you want something to have on as like christmas ambience without being yeah. kind of like overloaded with like euphoria and like stimulus you know it's just mm-hmm. it's chill and i think it's yeah. good to have obviously it's a good time of year to uh, chill um but you know it's um it's nice to have that contrast i think in our christmas listening especially with it all being like sleigh bells to death and like the same kind of tropes done a lot it's nice to have some kind of light and shade yeah and paul mccartney brings the shade he you know what <laughs> we're probably going to have ended up covering a few of the beatles from this mm-hmm. i'm just going to say right now paul mccartney he takes the cake as far as christmas songs are concerned lennon had a good run but mccartney had him beat and he arguably had the most successful solo career as well yeah I mean, I don't, Weasley, right, as a Brit, I don't have much to say about the Beatles. I feel like I could be educated by the Americans because they, <laughs> and it's, oh, it's hilarious just how obsessed they are. Like, I've got, my wife's grandmother, she knows way more about the English monarchy than I do. It's quite terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was watching The Crown and she's telling me, did you know this and this and this? And I'm like, no, I did not. That's great. Thank you. I'm really glad. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, went a bit of a tangent there. Um, so the how how many have we said so far? I'm trying oh to think. Oh my! Let, let's let's do it. Let's do a quick recap. All right, we can even edit this bit out if we need to. But... <laughs> yeah, that's fine, man. Yeah. So I've said stop the cavalry. I believe in Father Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody, and wonderful Christmas time. So that's four from me. Four. I also kind of mentioned Bing Crosby's entire output. That's all right. That that's a that's a bonus. I did away in the manger, let it snow, rocking around the Christmas tree. Um, so we've got three 
more. Two more. No, no, that two is, more. Yeah, right, yeah. we've, we've, we've okay. done it. All right, so one more for me and then one more for you. And then we'll... Sounds good. Cool, all right. So um, the next one, also a bit of a, a normie <laughs> kind of song, but it's... Excuse me. Dog. <laughs> right, yeah, so... This is an army one, but I just, I love it so much. Mainly because of the film that it's affiliated with, and I just think it's jokes. Um, Jingle Bell Rock. Um, so initially, it's just a great song, like... Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell... I, I'm not... Why mm. did I have to sing it? You guys obviously know it. But, like, firstly, just the swung rhythm is really nice. Gets back into those, like, old kind of feelings of the, yeah. the blues and, and, and jazz kind of elements. But... I've got to admit, the main reason is I just associate with the hilarious dance from Mean Girls. <laughs> um, so, like, there's this part of the dance in the film. I'm sorry to absolutely tear this. What is a great song and just base all of its worth on a pop culture um, chick flick? But there's this one part of the dance in which they um, slap their thighs and then like so the, uh, some of the parents and the audience like <gasps> like it's shocking <laughs> but every time this part of the song comes in I have to make a clapping sound or like slap my thighs just <laughs> jokes literally all the time it's like jingle bell jingle bell jingle bell rock Jing like I have to do that every single time. It's 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 hilarious. So I've again that's more of a personal thing. This is not Probably. a an objective critique of um the most fantastic musical elements and the the composing of um Josh fill in the jargon for me. Come on. I can't I can't remember who actually who actually did this, but I it, it is an interesting let me just look it up actually. Jingle Bell all you people at home absolutely right bobby helms originally yeah, yeah, released yeah. it um i think it's a great example of musical quotation which a lot of christmas music can be um i would say accused of but i don't mean it in a negative way um a lot of christmas music uses quotation where it will quote other sources uh, especially the ones that are about santa they all quote each other in some way yeah. shape or form um, usually as an intro or outro, so Jingle Bell Rock does a little bit of a riff on Jingle Bells, but even the kind of the construction of the main melody in, in Jingle Bell Rock, it is still based on Jingle Bells. Uh, mm. The whole the whole piece's DNA comes from Jingle Bells, but it's all a spin on it, so it's unique, it's original, while also kind of paying homage to its source material. So it's a great example of how to do something new while not sounding derivative, while not owing too much to the original text, you know? like, really? and, and this is, you know, what I mentioned earlier about the stuff that gets made now. If it is derivative, then it's trying to just directly copy, rather mm -hmm. than these ideas like of, like, musical quotation, of, like, manipulating the ideas. But, you know, that's just my two cents. That's cool. Well, I... I'm either looking too far into this in terms of like, say you take the song, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, you know, like that triplet. Yeah. You say like with this song, they they take that triplet, but like swing it. 
So it's like exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so I, I would argue the whole piece is if 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 it's not intentional, I'll be surprised because I'm pretty yeah, sure. Right. In fact, let's let's see. Um, there there is a, an uh, authorship controversy. At first, I thought it was going to be because of its similarity to Jingle Bells, but no, it's because uh, two different people claimed until their deaths that they wrote the song. Um, oh. So it was, it's to do, yeah, that's, that's a little <laughs> awkward. Because uh, there was one called Jingle Bell Hop. Oh. And then they changed it to Jingle Bell Rock. But, you know what? Let's not talk about copyright law today. <laughs> that is a big um, conversation. In the music yeah, world, my gosh. yeah. Um, and you've got to you've got to have done your research when it comes to any single copyright case in music because it's very oh, complicated. Um, the amount of conversations I've had about Vanilla Ice is just it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, they shouldn't have made that song, but it is technically legal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I I don't know what to pick for my uh, my next one. I think we've we've mentioned a lot of commercial songs. So yes. while I would mention another commercial song, I feel it'd be nice to end with another hymn. Um, sure. And one of one of my favorites the. the there's two that are always tied for first place. Uh, some years it'll be O Come O Come Emmanuel, other years right. it'll be God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, and I feel like I'm leaning towards the Merry Gentlemen this year. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I, I've heard it more this year, um, and there's just, and also there, there's ridiculous. Sorry to interject that, but like there's <laughs> ridiculous. Right. The point yeah. of this being a podcast and not a monocast. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a ridiculous ridiculous amount of covers of this song like mm. i've heard so many i've heard some wonderful like uh slower bpm in terms of like actually singing the hymn and then you hear the very crazy like it's a bit intense and i'm like okay um did you so... notice how nothing on the list was from pentatonics yeah we're gonna keep it that way yeah <laughs> Their, their version's intense. Like, it is intense. Yeah. I, and sadly, I, I have had to endure that album already this year <laughs> as well. Um, so it's literally being Michael Bublé and Pentatonics. Nice. Yeah. Interesting combination, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, continue as to the explanation of why I love this so much. Yeah, I mean, first off, um, this is something that's reveal revealed through the fact that there are slower and faster versions. Um Usually, this is a very quick tangent, I promise. Um, we were looking at Donnie Darko in uni a few weeks back and at how it uses a cover of Mad World, which was originally by Tears really? for Fears, and then they got Gary Jules to record it. So the version okay. everyone knows is the Gary Jules version. And effectively, our lecturer was talking about this idea that from a lot of cover songs that he analysed, the covers were usually more successful and seen as more authentic than the original. And it was often when they were slower than the original. Um, and he chalks it up to it being uh, because like, you can hear the harmony a lot more clearly. It takes right, okay. time to really let you marinate in the song's contents. And it's usually in a kind of stripped back context as well. So everything's a lot more exposed and it's easier to digest as a listener. Uh, whereas sometimes with more upbeat stuff or if you've got a big drum kit in the way or like lots of stuff going on uh, it might be harder to kind of get what the core of the song is um, I mean I like it at both tempos God rest you merry gentlemen uh, I think mm. there's 
There's no there's no speed that feels wrong to perform it at. If that yeah, makes exactly. Sense. Um, except for maybe Gregorian chant, but I'd actually be interested <laughs> to hear that. Um, Me too, actually. But yeah, I think the main thing, as with a lot of hymns, of course, the music is robust. It's super well constructed. But the lyrical content as well is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to call people gentlemen anymore uh, in 2021, <laughs> nearly 2022. But heck, I'm going to insist because yeah, right. I mean the the whole idea. Something that's come across to me a lot this year in particular. Obviously, Christmas 2020 was just a weird one. It was a weird Christmas, yeah, and I feel like I didn't, you know. I didn't give Jesus my best that that Christmas. There was obviously a lot of stuff going on, uh, but it's no excuse. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just felt this year the real thing, uh, especially how tumultuous a time it is, and especially, you know, now that uh, the covigula variety of life is peeking its ugly head again (laughs) above the parapets. Um, You know, there's all this kind of tension and stress, and one thing that's really hit home for me is this idea of, you know, don't don't let your joy be stolen from you at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's no. something that's super important. And I think it's why in Advent, there's so much of this kind of focus on longing for Jesus, of hope, yeah, of joy, of peace, of love. You know, those characteristics are brought to the forefront in Advent. Um, yeah. And I think, it, you know, God rest you, merry gentlemen, hits it right out the gate. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay, for Jesus Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. So this idea, like, stay happy, stay joyful. Why? Mm -hmm. Not because of yourself, not because you put the decorations up, not because you feel Christmassy, whatever that's supposed to mean, not because it snowed, even though the snow was awesome over here this year, Um, (laughs) but because Jesus was born on Christmas Day. And the rest of the hymn goes on to explain why that's a good thing you know defeating satan's power the fact that like the curse of mankind our we're no longer beholden to sin because of what jesus did he's freed us he's redeemed us and he is at the top of it all he's sovereign uh, and it's it's stuff like that i mean we've talked before brandon about the kind of holiness of christmas the importance of like this ancient mystery revealing himself to us um, and in human flesh and just the the mystery of it the just intense wonder behind it all and yeah if you're going through it at like uh, 20 mile, twenty thousand miles an hour <laughs> you might not fully understand the meaning of the lyrics as you sing them but I, it's oh, one that always hits home for me yeah yeah for <laughs> definite 100% yeah I mean you're not going to feel that quality of rest if you just like completely no i i think well is there's definitely a trend going around that i've seen you know the whole slow and reverb kind of um <laughs> remixes you know so why don't you know just more people should just really you know slow and reverb not only god rest you merry gentlemen but we should slow and reverb our lives how do you even reverb your life, though? You... You expand it. You be more open-minded. I'm going to put reverb just on this bit. Just add extra effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, in that case, uh... Hello. Makes you notice, doesn't it? A bit of darkness. 
I'm not going to say any more just in case no. there is a copyright on that. I don't think I mean, there true. will be, but <laughs> also, and also because it's annoying. <laughs> it's very annoying, and I mean, I don't think unless it's in American cinemas, no American listener is ever going to get that reference. So <laughs> he's to be in British. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I miss going to the cinema. I can't wait. <laughs> Sorry, just yeah, a side note. Yeah, but yeah. hey, that's great though. You know, after this 12 days of Christmas, we'll head back to the cinema and we'll bring you more of that sweet film criticism content. It's yeah. going to be great. Um, but yeah, they were our top personal 10 slash our opinion matters more than anything else <laughs> countdown. Um, if you ask us again this time next week, we will have a different 10. Absolutely, 100%. In fact, by the time this episode is put on Spotify, we will have a different 10. Yeah, completely. I will be, literally, as we uh, hit stop, I will be banging my head on a desk going, Idiot, (laughs) why didn't you mention this? How is the internet going to like me if they don't know that I have a really quirky taste in (laughs) Christmas music? (laughs) I was genuinely like this when I did a blooming top 20... um, films of all time on my instagram and oh, legit, yeah, yeah. i spent hours preparing it and not only that days later i was like oh you idiot you, you nearly put this Shrek on. 2 off the list i nearly i nearly kicked Shrek 2 off <laughs> i know i know and there was oh there was another film which i was like you fool why didn't you mention that but do you know what it's fine it's okay people will still forgive me and hopefully <laughs> accept me into their lives after that awful mistake. Amen.